you into entrepreneurship? Well, funny, funny story, guys. Not that funny, but it's a story. Um, I actually went to this very high school, and um, he's always waving. I went to this school, and I wasn't the most academic student. See, they know me. They're already shutting the door. They're like, we know this one. I wasn't the most academic student. I actually started at the school down the road, the big blue one. I don't know if you guys know it. Yeah. Not going to name drop or anything. <laughs> and things weren't really working out that well there. So I came here and it's a much more sort of relaxed environment, much nicer kind of place for me. But I wasn't the most academic sort of person. And my options were really limited. And back when I was going on this journey myself, we didn't. This is like, I don't want don't to scare you guys, but I'm in my mid-30s. So... This is going back. You look like you're 20. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you look oh, well. take, No, you take your um, uh, page out of my book of telling people that they look young. You know, he's, yeah, he's a fast learner. Exactly. Be careful. Look how young he is. You know, he's looks no, like in his right. 20s and he went to this rain kicks, rain the Jordans. <laughs> so basically, there weren't the same sorts of uh, options available to me, you know, 16 or so years ago when I started out that were kind of available now. We didn't have shows like Shark Tank and entrepreneurship and stuff like that. There weren't, you know, this is pre-Facebook, this is pre-all of that sort of stuff. It wasn't really a thing that people got into. Um, Startups and all of that, you know, the the glamorised idea of high school dropouts and college dropouts starting billion dollar companies, it wasn't really a huge thing. I guess the, the previous wave had been like Jobs and Gates, but that's like, you know, in the late 70s, early 80s. So this is like 99, not a lot of options. And I kind of realized I was gonna have to create my own job because I wasn't gonna be able to go to university. I'm pretty much unemployable. I don't do early mornings. (laughs) So what do you do? You've got to kind of create your own thing, right? And I guess that's, that's really how I got started, not having options. So when did you realize the potential of like the internet is gonna be like this today? Well, it's been constantly changing. I mean, back when I was sort of getting interested in this, this was all something called information technology, which is the most boring name that I can possibly think of. I don't know. If we workshopped it for an hour, maybe we'd come up with something more boring. It didn't sound like the most glamorous kind of thing. You know, computers were like, that that was a class you had for an hour a day. Maybe you had one at home to be playing games on or whatever. But we, we just had no sort of... We knew that this was the future... We had no concept for how it was going to play out. However, one big thing that was an advantage to me was always looking at what was going on in the US because that was a more developed marketplace. That was about five years ahead of us. So the internet in the US was sort of taking off in the mid-90s. You had Amazon and eBay. They both launched in uh, 95. And, you know, Yahoo and all of those uh, sorts of companies, they all sort of came about in the mid-90s. And that was kind of a bit of a, a cue as to what might be taking place in the future. But really, we had no no sort of idea of what was going to sort of play out, you know. This is back when Yahoo was basically, you know, we're talking HTML sites and stuff like that. So, yeah, always knew it was going to be a thing, but wasn't expecting it to play out the way that it has. Pretty much everybody that, that sort of... Um, Pretty much everybody that could could criticise or could sort of question what I was doing did. And uh, I guess the biggest uh, critic that I had though was myself. In the sense that, you know, even I had my doubts about what was going to happen. It's easy to go back, you know, and and think about things and, and, uh, you know, evaluate things in hindsight. But back when I was going through it, 
it was a really scary time. There's no safety net there. There was a lot of people, you know, that were questioning it, and that makes you question it as well. Um, again, wasn't developed like it is now, where it's like entrepreneurship is a big thing. So it was pretty scary. Plenty of naysayers, and I'm not going to say that I did it to spite them, but rather that I did it in spite of them. He discussed your opinion about our business ideas. One of the things that I've chatted to Ricky about before is the concept that it's not so much about the idea. You don't have to have the most original idea. You don't have to have the best idea. And in fact, there's billions of people walking around out there that have ideas in their head. It's not the best ones that actually come to the market. It's the ones that, it's the ideas that come to the people of action. That's what the entrepreneurs are. You're not getting the best ideas out there necessarily. You're getting the ideas that come to the people who are actually going to do something with them. So does, does that make sense to all of you? Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like working like on, on deals direct, like what was, um, what was, what was the biggest, what's like the biggest mistake you made? Um, biggest mistakes. Wow. I've made so many. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we even have enough time and to, to sort of think of my biggest one. Um, wow. The biggest mistake. Um, I've made so many mistakes guys. You will too. Uh, I don't even want to think about it, but what I will say is we always do what we think is right at the time. And we, you know, the best that you can hope for is that you evaluate when you have a decision to make and you, you make what is the best decision for yourself. You don't just want to shoot from the hip or just make it make a decision without looking at the upside, the downsides, all of that. Um, a lot of a lot of my stuff, I was very headstrong, as I guess I had to be when I was eighteen or nineteen. And one of the things for me was um, basically, you know, there'd be personality clashes and stuff like that when I used to have business partners, and because everyone wants to be captain, you know. You know, there's there's a lot of sayings in business about that sort of stuff. You know, too too many cooks. All of I'm sure you've heard all of that yeah. stuff, right? So that that was a huge issue. The personality things and um, ego, attaching ego to sort of business. Yep. And that's an absolute killer. One of the things that I've learned in business is your ego is not your amigo. I don't know if you've heard it. It's a I very it's a very common expression. Like leave your ego at the door because it's not going to do you any favors. Okay when you're trying to sort of do it. It's good to have self-belief in, in what you're doing and it's so necessary. You've got to have self-belief in what you're doing, but don't don't have an ego about it. People won't want to work with you. You're not going to get on with people. You're not going to get to where you need to be. And just be humble, always be receptive and listen to people, listen to ideas. Don't ever think that you know everything, no matter where you are, because complacency is the big killer, even for big companies. You know what, once you become complacent, then you sort of you stop you stop working on improving yourself, bettering yourself, and I guess history and business is sort of littered with with stories of you know once successful companies that just become complacent. We could talk about Yahoo, yep. IBM, all all of these sorts of companies. So you don't ever want to sort of be like that. So are you involved in like right now? Okay, so a lot of my time is now devoted on actually speaking events and teaching other entrepreneurs. I like, I really enjoy that. I do a lot of work in uh, developing countries. I spent most of last year working in the Philippines, helping, you know, local entrepreneurs and startups over there because it's a third world country and, uh, you know, that, the average daily wage is about $10 a day. So it's, it's very impoverished. There's a population of 100 million and I think 70 million are below the poverty line. So I spend a lot of time working on that. I'll be going back over there in a few weeks to speak at an event.
Um, the thing with my startups is they're pretty much profitable from, from day one yep. because I kind of test them before I sort of do them. And that's kind of counter to a lot of the startup movement now, which I've seen is more about just come up with an idea and learn how to pitch it. And that's all that people sort of focus on now. My focus is and still is on it being an actual business, making it profitable. And if you need to bring in outside people, there needs to be a reason for that. You know, not necessarily just to make it actually happen. For me, it's more about the idea that uh, maybe if I want to scale the business or do something with it, that's when I'll look at it, but not at the at the inception like most people are doing now, yeah. where they, they need to just pitch. I mean, that's that's the startup movement to me now. It's pretty much just a pitch fest. And I don't know that I, I like that idea because it's not teaching people business fundamentals, which they haven't changed. Like, keep hearing the stuff, you know, the rules have changed and the game's changed. It hasn't. You've still got to be profitable. You've still got to kind of do stuff. Yeah. And every, every company, no matter how, how crazy the valuation is, one day people are going to demand profitability from it. Yep. It's great to take market share and all of the other stuff, but you actually need to come up with a profitable business model. Otherwise, the business is going to die. Yep. So, because like I remember, because I saw like a freelance.com, like their like valuations around like half a billion. And then when I look yep. at their financial reports, like they're like then like they're at, they're at a loss. I'm just sure. thinking like, how they're still running, how they're growing, even though they're making a lot. Well, the, the prevailing logic and wisdom, I guess, is that it's about, you know, not, not just about today, but it's about what's going to take place in two, three, five years. We need to, we need to be growing. We need to be ahead of the competition. Yeah. Same thing with Kogan. I mean, Kogan only made $300,000 profit last year. $300,000, but they, they floated, you know, uh, a couple of years ago, we were talking about $300 million valuation on that company. And um, I think even up, you know, just before the float, we were saying 170 million and Roslyn's worth 80 and the company only, you know, 300 grand. I mean, there's lots of tiny startups that are doing better than that. So why, why does it get that valuation? Because they're thinking about market share, they're making acquisitions. There's, there's a strategy behind what they're trying to do. You know, they may have spent, you know, they, they did spent two million or three million to buy the, the shell of the Dick Smith business, you know. Basically all the people that are in the database and the website and the web presence and all the branding. Clever strategically because it gives them a lot more customers. But yeah, they, they're spending money on stuff like that. Other companies just can't, can't justify it. Surf Stitch and lots of, lots of those sorts of companies cannot justify their, their valuation. There was another startup that floated, FinTech one uh, from Melbourne a few months yep. ago, and that was valued at $40 million, and that was a, running at a loss. Like, I don't remember what it was, maybe $2 million or whatever. Yep. And it's, it's puzzling to me to some extent why investors think this is a good sort of thing, but it, it does take the view that we're looking at the future, we need to put everything back into it for now, and you know, keep investing and, but this is the same stuff I heard during the dot-com crash because I was in business back then yeah. as well. It's not about now, it's about the future. It's about the web real estate and the branding. And that's what concerns me a little bit about the current sort of ecosystem is it does remind me of what I saw back then when I was, you know, starting out during the dot-com crash. There are lots of similarities there. How do you define success? Well, that's a really interesting question and I guess 
it's a very personal thing for everyone and no, no two people are going to have the same idea of what success is you know for some people it might be a monetary goal for other people it's about just being your own boss being self-sufficient and it's it's a really personal thing for everybody um my my definition of success is just being able to kind of being able to support myself and um live the lifestyle that i want to have and um things things like that you know feel proud of what i do every day when i wake up that's what's important to me no two people are the same maybe some people in this room want to become billionaires I don't know. Put your hand up if you want to be a billionaire. I want to be a billionaire. Some people at the back didn't put their hands up. You don't want to be billionaires, guys. You've got to be hungry. Be super. And you got to have that hustle as well. you got to wear Jordans as well. Yeah, exactly. You're going to wear Jordan, wear Rolexes. Rolexes, Brand placement. Okay. So, finish up. So, my last question is. um. If you had to make a phone call um, to, to the 13 year, old, 13 year old self, what would you say? 13 year old self, wow. Um, I guess I would reassure myself that it's gonna be okay because that was the scariest thing. Maybe not when I was necessarily 13, but maybe you know when, when I was a teenager sort of coming towards the end of high school, was I was really scared. What does the future hold? Am I gonna be able to sort of make a goal of this? Or am I going to fail? Is every one of my critics and family and everybody else going to say, told you it didn't work out? You know, what are you going to do now? Go work at McDonald's. Um, <laughs> I used to work at McDonald's. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, but yeah, I would reassure myself everything's going to be okay. Have faith and trust in yourself. That's really important. If you're going to do this, don't, don't, don't do any half measures, guys. You've got to, you've got to really believe in what you're doing. It's so, so important having a vision, having self-belief, having focus. We've, we've talked about that at length before. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's, that's the advice that I would give. You know, it's all going to work out okay. Same advice I'm going to give you guys. If you want to do this, it's going to work out. You're going to find a way to make it work. You need to believe that you're going to do that. That's so important. Okay? Don't, don't, don't listen to the critics. Do it in spite of what they say to you. Yeah? That's, that's, that's everything? That's everything. Wow. Thank Beautiful. you so much. My pleasure. Give, nice. give a round of applause to David.